Well, good evening. So good to be with you guys another night. And um, how many of you were here last night? Really awesome. We we went over kind of like the bigger picture of where I feel like the hour that we're living in is this Psalms 2 fulfillment type of hour. We're in an hour of great world harvest right now. And that world harvest translates into uh, practical local play out right now that that you can it, it's it's the harvest here in Vermont that the Lord even wants to tune you into because we all have a part to play in this and 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 again like I said it last night God doesn't create bench warmers in the kingdom you've been called to the front lines like you coming to church okay I'm not I'm not I'm not sacrilegious in saying this. You coming to church is not you laboring for Jesus. It's it, You actually get activated at church and you get sent out into the harvest field, right? Before I go too, into, uh, too far into that, um, I really felt like tonight is going to be a night of impartation, activation, and declaration. And so... Uh, just buckle your seatbelts because it's going to get fun. And I also wanted to uh, share with you guys because, again, um, it's, 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 it's easy living in Hawaii. It's not really easy being a missionary in Hawaii. <laughs> Everything is so crazy expensive, first of all. And, and like, uh, but it's also like it's, you get this... Um, thing where it's people just think in more of the natural realm, like, yeah, pfft, God called you to Hawaii. It's like, man, I don't care if he called me to Iraq. Like, I'm going if he calls me somewhere. But I wanted you guys to uh, take a look into my life and what I'm involved with because I really believe that uh, the local church is to be activated in the global initiative called the Great Commission. Uh, when he shouted, go therefore, he was shouting to the church, eternal. You, you guys all should be nodding your heads. And you might have different ministries, different graces, graces to dance, graces to sing, but we're all contributing to this great commission and going throughout all the world and seeing the gospel proclaim great, uh, creating disciples and making nations into disciples. We all have a place in the Great Commission when he said go. Yeah. And so uh, you heard my story, uh, a bit of my story last night. And I, I just want to dive a little bit more into my story of what I've been involved with, the, the direct work that I've been involved with, because I, I want to invite you guys, like, first of all, Time out. This church is so uh, has been so instrumental in sending forth my family. And I want to just pause for a second before I go into any of the work that I've been involved with and say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I mean that in the most sincere and genuine way. We couldn't have done this and we're, we're not doing this without you. We, we raise our own support and, and, and a lot of you monthly support us, and it means the world to us. I, I, I don't want to take people's money. That's not what I'm about. But I am a conduit of where people sow into to get involved with the Great Commission, and that's what I'm about. That's what I sowed my family into and said, make or break, gospel or bust, we're going for it. And if you want to come along for the journey, you're welcome to, but we're going for it. God is our provider. And so I don't want partnerships treating them like they're coin machines. If, if, if I'm in partnership with someone, then we're partners, meaning my life is yours and your life is mine. And I want to fight your battles and I want you to fight my battles. If you're not involved with my mission, then we're not really partners. So you're either a Jonah on the boat and you need to get out, or God's calling you to get on the boat. The, the key is who's listening. Who's listening? 
So I want to thank you for the, from the bottom of my heart. Everybody that's sown into my family, we do not take it lightly. We, we feel like it's sacred, and we feel very humble that, uh, that we've been supported by uh, all of you guys. And uh, it, it means a lot. I, my, I, I went to Hawaii with anxiety in my heart because I've always, I've always did ministry and had a full-time job. I'll tell you this quick little story. I uh, I started working this this little side job in Hawaii because I was like, okay, God, I just have to do something. I I'm doing this faith journey. You're you've been proving yourself true, but I got to do something. And the Lord said, okay, I'll, I'll just release you to do this like little job. And it, it was actually a lot because I I work more hours during the day doing missions work than I did doing just a full time job while I was a pastor. It's crazy. I never thought I would I would uh, outwork myself. But uh, the pastor who hired me to do the grounds, and I was like, man, just put me on the toilets. I'll scrub the toilets and, and everything like that, just, you know, just so that we have uh, steady income. Because right now we are about 25% to our budget of being fully funded as missionaries. So it's like, and the rest is just a faith walk. So... The pastor caught wind that I was a pastor for ten years out in New England, and so he he's like, man, I need a I I need a pastor, and I'll I'll pay you to to be an associate pastor here, uh, and uh, I'll even pay your wife to do children's ministry here, and I'm I'm my business mind is clicking in like, okay, we could be we could do YWAM and do our our little thing on uh, uh, um, uh, for YWAM in the nations for the week, and on the weekends we'll just be pastors, and we'll have that steady check coming in, steady income, I don't have to bother any of you. Uh, and, and just this carnal thing popped into my mind, right? And so I present this, I, I go all the way to my wife, and I say, I say, Katie, guess what? I got offered a job as a pastor. They'll pay me. I've never been paid to be a pastor in my life. They'll pay me. And they'll, they'll even pay you. And my wife just, you ever, like, gentlemen, you ever tell something like a good idea, what you think is a good idea to your wife, and she's just looking at you, and you know she's thinking, this is not a good idea. <laughs> and, and she was just, she didn't even say anything. She just had that look. It was, it's the look. <laughs> it's the look. And, and, and like, I, I, I was speaking in excitement, and then slowly my speech got slower. And she goes, I got one question to ask you. I said, yeah? She goes, if it wasn't for that paycheck, would you do it? And I thought for a second, and I'm running through my mind, well, it's not really what God has called me to right now. No, I wouldn't do it. She goes, well, there's your motive. <laughs> and it, it, I'm not speaking for other ministries, but I, for me personally, I never want money to be a motivation for a ministry because I really believe the foundation of ministries freely you receive, now freely you give. Right? And as I, I said, I said you, you're right, sweetie. And I turned down the job and said, I'm, I'm more than glad to contribute my grace, but not, without, not with a paycheck because I don't want that to be motivation. And I uh, drove away that day, and uh, the Lord spoke to me. He said, I've taught you for 10 years how to be a pastor of people. Now I want to teach you how to be a missionary. And what I realized with, is the missionary is not just a person that goes so that you don't, uh, a missionary actually goes and actually activates the church in her part for the Great Commission. Like, it's, it's, it's not just they, they need money, or we need money, I'm part of the missionary crew now. <laughs> but it's this, this beautiful system that God set up where if I, if I don't activate the church then they're, not, they're missing out on the grace that could be received through the world global harvest that God is releasing right now. And I realize that that's my call.
That's my call. And so without further ado, I want to show you a, a couple things of what we've been involved with. And then, um, so if you could just cue up that, that video. This is a video of Myanmar. I, I've been actively doing frontier missions work in Myanmar on a team called the Christian Magna Carta. I don't have time to explain all that to you, but basically we're all, it's like the Avengers team of missions work. <laughs> So they recruited me as the prayer guy, raising up houses of prayer in the nations. And we've been doing campaign evangelism, four-night campaign evangelism. And people from the th- in the thousands have been coming to the Lord. And this Buddhist nation, it's 95% Buddhist. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about Myanmar in this slideshow, but I want you to watch this video. If you could dim the lights. There's a story of redemption happening in Southeast Asia right now in the nation of Myanmar. A story where the gospel of the kingdom is bringing out a crown of beauty from ashes, overflowing joy out of mourning, and God transforming broken things into His likeness. For nearly 50 years, this Buddhist nation experienced atrocious injustices while under military dictatorship. This abusive power led to hundreds of thousands of Christians being martyred and over one million people being slaughtered through genocide. Over seven million refugees have been scattered around the world, resulting in a separation of families and their lives completely taken from them. During that time, all aspects of society from media, business, and education were controlled by this militarized government, resulting in the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. Even though Myanmar has an abundance of natural resources like jade, oil, and natural gas, these resources were selfishly controlled by a few, creating one of the largest income gaps in the world. Myanmar remains as one of the most unreached nations to this day. However, the God of redemption is flinging open doors for us in Myanmar to bring transformation to the nation, and it will take all of us in our diverse giftings of the body of Christ. We've launched a long-term, multifaceted plan to make an impact in all areas of society. It starts with the distribution of millions of Bibles, first getting a Bible into the hands of every believer in the nation. We have large evangelistic gatherings across the nation reaching nearly one million people in the next two years where the good news of Jesus Christ will be publicly proclaimed. We are partnering with indigenous leaders to train and empower thousands of pastors, church planters, and Christian leaders to follow discipleship. The felt needs of the people will be met as we drill clean water wells, provide clothing, and medical care. We have a way to train educators in a Christian worldview, start businesses to provide jobs, shape media, and influence government. We cannot do this alone. We need your help. Together we can witness the transformation of a nation and the redeeming story of God in Myanmar. Amen. So right now, I don't say this lightly, but Myanmar is in a time of visitation. Uh, People by the thousands are coming into the fold of God. It's like you're giving them a cup of cold water and they're, they're just saying, where's, where's more, where's more, where's more? We need more. And so I'm just going to uh, introduce you to, oh, nice, I got a clicker. You know, this is my first time using a clicker. I'm usually not a, a clicker type of teacher kind of guy. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> I'm more of a preacher, fresh out of the oven type of guy. <laughs> I'm not really a PowerPoint. But for, for, the, for this Ah, I'll just get, keep it going. So uh, I want to introduce you to a couple people that we met along the way in their stories. Um, this is a Kairos time in Myanmar. The time is now. There's like uh, Lauren Cunningham actually said, there's like a four-year window where we don't know what the government's going to do. It's still a bit unstable. We don't know if the nation's going to close back up or, or continue to be open and be reformed. So we're doing all that we can to get all of our resource, do these evangelism outreaches, and uh, seeing the nations literally reaped, and the pastors trained, and uh, Bibles being distributed, because we know that if the Bible is distributed, then the seed of the Scripture will penetrate through the hard soil, even if the nation does close back up. But right now, it's a Kairos time in Myanmar. There's my crew. I'm, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm taking the picture or whatnot, but we, this is uh, this last May we did this crusade 
we flew into this village, and the village looked like it was a third world nation village. I'm like, okay, so what are we doing the the crusade? And they're like, oh, we're going to get on a bus, and we're going eight hours into the mountains. <laughs> and there was some, like, roads that I, I, I didn't know a bus could fit through those roads. <laughs> so literally, we went to this, this village with, uh, um, uh, it was... Oh, nice, I get to tell this story. It was uh, people that never saw white man before. And so they, they were like double-taking us as we walked in the streets and stuff like that. It's a long journey up there. Uh, the the uh, demographic that that uh, Kathy described this morning where we were sleeping on the dirt and everything like that, it's actually worse than that <laughs> up there. <laughs> it was awesome. When she was saying that, it was getting triggered. I was like, oh, send me to the field again. <laughs> I was like, man, give me that over the plush pillows any day. But this man in the middle with the uh, Adidas shirt, this man used to be a Buddhist man through and through, devoted Buddhist. And during our campaign, this cyclone storm was rolling through uh, the village in the, in the second night of the crusade. And this man came down uh, really not happy, because this is all of his sound equipment. He says, we've got to shut down the, uh, the crusade. The, it, it's going to destroy this torrential downpours. So my, I mobilized my DTS, the, uh, the students that were with us, were about uh, 20 to 30 students that were with us. I said, let's pray, and we're going to rumble this storm away. And we interceded, and it was the first time I saw this caliber of a weather miracle happened. The storm literally lifted, and that night there was uh, uh, hundreds of people that came to the Lord. They were, we, we would pray over them, and they would land in puddles. We'd have to move their face out of the puddle so they wouldn't die. <laughs> but they were literally, you don't get slain out in a, a puddle of mud, and it'd be fake. <laughs> there was no shake and bake about it, Right? The next night, the cyclone moved in again, and he came down again. He said, we're shutting down this campaign. I know these mountains. Uh, it's not going to go away again. My friend Doe here with the glasses, he challenged him. He said, he says, it won't rain, I guarantee you, because my God will hold it back. He's like, I'll bet you 100 grand because this is what my equipment's worth. And he goes, well, uh, okay, I'll bet you that. But if I win this bet then you have to surrender your life completely to Jesus. So the storm was rolling through. I have, I have uh, literally videos of these huge clouds rolling through the videos and we're rumbling both indigenous people and, uh, and us like white folk. And it's shaking the church, right? And the second day in a row, we prayed off the storm. Not only that, the Doppler radar showed that every other village had torrential downpours, and we were the only village that, that didn't. And the, at the last speaker, he was wrapping up, it just started pouring rain. So he came and found us and said, I need to know your Jesus. I've never seen anything like this. I want to give my complete in, in life to him. It's awesome. This man, he used to be an evangelist in, his na uh, in the, this village. The village had a revival back in the day. But this man uh, was an evangelist. He was backslidden, alcoholic, and had liver problems. Couldn't even stand. And the first night we were there rumbling, he heard the worship music. The Lord healed his body, and he came down, repented, and gave his life back to Jesus. Now he's distributing Bibles from village to village. This man uh, had a complete limp body, and uh, during the, the campaign, the Lord healed his body. And I forgot about this lady, but something was healed with her too. <laughs> I'm so good at this. <laughs> I'm so good. I could have just made up a story, but I don't want to do that. <clears throat> Gosh, do I have time to tell all these stories? <laughs> Are you, guys, are you guys getting something out of this? this man, it's, it's so incredible. My, this, this has a story attached to it. My friend Doe, this last time, had this dream because he felt unsettled. He's planted, he's a native to Myanmar, but he's planted in Kona, Hawaii. He's our main contact. 
because he is uh, the grand, uh, the great grandson of the first convert of his village, and um, so he's living out this spiritual heritage, and uh, he's really unsettled in Kona because he's like, man, God is breaking in in uh, in Myanmar so much. I don't know why I'm doing doing this. He wants to go back, but. The Lord in His wisdom is getting all this network around Him and, and, and this church support where He wouldn't have had uh, if He didn't have the connection of Kona. So it's been a real blessing to Him. But He had this dream while we were out there. And uh, in the dream, uh, He was with His family and He comes up to this bridge and the bridge looks really, really old, like it was going to fall apart. And everybody was warning Him, don't go across this bridge. But He knew by the Spirit of the Lord that the Lord wanted him to go across this bridge. So he sped up, went across this bridge, and he looked back, and the bridge was made new and was remodeled and became a brand new bridge. And, and then he saw scriptures written on top of the bridge, and he told us, our, our team, as soon as we arrived in Myanmar this trip, and so we're like, this is so awesome. The Lord is like telling you to, to stay put, because that was one of the scriptures, right? We had this... Uh, prophetic prayer meeting where we we would just declare these different scriptures that came up in our spirit, man. It would only make sense, like, as you string the scriptures together, it only makes sense in one of those prophetic prayer meetings. You know, you've been in one of those. You can't preach uh, through those scriptures in any other setting. It just makes sense in the prophetic, right? So we're, we're stringing these, these verses. Uh, 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 Consecrate yourself for tomorrow I'll do great and mighty things. Uh, Jacob Slatter, we, we were praying that uh, you'll see great and mighty, even more great and mighty things, the sun, uh, uh, angels descending and ascending off the Son of Man. Uh, uh, unless the, the, the house of the Lord is uh, built by God, the laborers work in vain. I'm butchering these verses, but I'm telling you the story. So we're, we're, we're just going through. We take our eight-hour trip up the mountain, and uh, about the sixth hour, we had one of our media team get out with a drone and get, because Myanmar is beautiful, get these uh, aerial views of Myanmar on, on tape. And we look over and we see this weird old looking bridge, like a bridge you wouldn't want to cross. And we're like, oh, doe, that's your bridge from your dream. We're kind of joking around with them until our translator said, oh, there's scriptures on that bridge. I'm not joking. Every single scripture that we prayed that day was on the bridge, over the top of the bridge, right? So we like, we got to do our prophetic map, and now we got in the van, we go across that bridge. We're like, we're not going to die because it's a prophetic act, right? I was a little bit scared, but then we, then we didn't, we, we forgot we had to go back across to get back on our way. But obviously the Lord preserved my life. But we really felt like the Lord was saying that God is rebuilding the breach in Myanmar. That, that foreigners would come into her and, and restore her walls, Isaiah 40, and, and, and literally renew her. And it, so we were uh, on our way out, and this was a construction worker. This is a Burmese construction worker. The Burmese, there are so many people groups in Myanmar, but the Burmese is the hardest people group. Uh, they're really, really devoted uh, uh, Buddhist people. They just laid wet uh, uh, cement on the road so we couldn't get through. So we had a word of knowledge for this guy because he told us the cement was uh, wet. We had a word of knowledge for his back. God completely healed his back. And we, he received Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. And as soon as he prayed... His prayer of surrender, the, the road was ready to be drived upon and we went on our way. <laughs> Pretty amazing. But these, when, when you step into the storyline, that's what I was telling you yet last night. When you step into the storyline and you just give your yes, then God writes His poema. God, God writes your life in poetry and says, let's go on this adventure because I have great and mighty things that I want to show you. It's amazing. You can't make this stuff up. Uh, At every pastor's gathering, we wash the pastor's feet. And it's just like it was back in uh, Jesus' day. You're not allowed to touch feet. That's that's a big 
uh, cultural taboo. But it's biblical. And literally, we wash these pastors' feet. These, these pastors, some of them don't even have shoes. Their, their feet are all cut up from the ground. Completely dirty, ugly feet. And we wash each feet. And they weep over us saying, so they, they literally, one after another, say, it feels like you're washing away the wounds of our nation. It's an amazing, amazing time. Oh my gosh, this right here. So, just to give you uh, an idea, it says uh, Myanmar is a third world nation. And uh, a Bible in Myanmar is like saving up for a car. I, I went into a shop to, to buy a couple of things, just a couple knickknacks for my family to bring them back home. I think I spent like $10 U.S. And, and the store owner treated me like I, I was spending uh, 10 grand at her store. And it was, she was like so elated, but it just revealed how poor these people are. So this picture, it's incredible. It makes me want to cry each time. So we do our four-night crusade, and the, all the church pastors, all, all the area pastors, some of them traveled by moped for four hours just to get there. And, and uh, this group of pastors said, we want to raise the money for the next campaign. And they literally gave from, this is the widow's might. This is the widow's might. This right here, these are some of the only shoes that people have. Some of their only shirts, the most valuable things they had. They were bringing them up. We were pulling out our, our, our wallets. to. We, it's just hard not to. And they're like, no, we want to take ownership over this. We want to see God move. Don't you take this right away from us. And we backed up and we saw these buckets filled with the only money they had. And in light of all that we've received in this nation, it really, really humbles you. It's, that's why I say it's such a privilege and a pleasure to serve these people. It's a privilege. I feel like I won the lottery. You couldn't give me millions of dollars to turn away from this. This is amazing. Amazing. The, the children, the children drink in the Holy Spirit. There's a, a move of God happening in the children of Myanmar. Literally, I'll, I'll, I would touch one of them in like a ripple effect. It's like you're Benny Hinn there. It's like the whole wave of them. I had to unpile uh, some little girl because they literally landed on top of them because the Holy Spirit... It's so moved. They've never seen the Holy Spirit before, so you know it's not fake. It's incredible. It's amazing. Jesus touching the children. So here's Myanmar statistics. There's uh, 54 million people in Myanmar. It's only 8% uh, Christian, equaling to about uh, 4,320,000. Uh, 50 uh, unreached people groups and 45 million population un- unreached people. So this is our target. This is what we're aiming for in the next few years. And this, this is the current c- contribution. My team, uh, this is me, my work, my direct team. We have uh, 89,554 gospel seeds planted. So this is people that we've gone to uh, door-to-door at our crusade, just in two years, just in two years. 8,561 salvations. Uh, uh, 800 plus healings because some, uh, most of the times they won't even go up to you and, 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 uh, and you'll be like, are you healed? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I got healed a long time ago. Like, you should tell me! <laughs> Here's a big thing. 58,626 full and partial Bibles distributed. So just like I said, it's like raising money for a car out there for them to uh, buy the Scripture. The Bible societies have upcharged the Scripture there. And there's not a printing press in the nation. And so this nation, we we have uh, distributed that much. In January, I'm, I'm jumping ahead, but in January we have uh, already a half a million Bibles ready to be distributed. 
So we're more than quadruple. I don't even know the math behind that, but we're uh, we're up we're up in that number. <laughs> One thousand two hundred and fifty plus Christian leaders trained. This is pastors, indigenous leaders. One hundred seventy-eight ministries involved. So we're all about evangelism training and Bible distribution. So. In April 2018, we had our first event. My, just to give you a little bit of background, my friend Doe, and a, a, after this I'll probably just go right into the message. But af, uh, uh, we had our first evangelism event. My, fr- my friend Doe came up to uh, my friend uh, Sono and said, I had a vision, this is my indigenous friend, I had a vision that the gospel was being proclaimed over every of uh, all of the 14 states in Myanmar. And the Lord spoke to me in the dream and said, when this happens, your nation will become a Christian nation. And so my friend, who is like super apostolic, said, okay, let's scale up to this. So we did our first evangelism event, uh, evangelism campaign in, in April 2018. We did our second one in November 2018. A lot of you sewed into my life to be able to go on this. We did three simultaneous four-night crusade, gospel crusades, and we saw thousands of people come in. And then this January 2020, we're doing seven events where we're going to see seven different states have a, a presence of gospel proclamation, four-night campaign, that's what we're entering into. And then finally, in November uh, 2020, we'll do the 14 events. So God is truly moving in this nation. Yeah, let's give Jesus a round of applause. It's awesome. I feel so uh, fortunate to be a part of a team like this and be a part of of what God's doing, just the frontier of what God's doing. feel very, very humble by it. And uh, my family has benefited from it. And, and this next year, we, we, we had, it's, what it's doing is it's attracting different leaders from different nations saying, we want, we want the same thing. So in the next year, uh, 2020, we project to, to do the same thing in Mongolia. Mongolia is one of the uh, most unreached people groups in Asia. Um, there, there's a story of, of, of the empire saying, we want missionaries because if, if, if the gospel comes to Mongolia, all of Mongolia will be saved. But the terrain was too tough, and the missionaries turned back. And so China capitalized, and now it's a Buddhist nation. But we're going to redeem those times. We're going to go in with the gospel and with faith in our hearts. So we have the word of the Lord. And we're going to see the gospel penetrate Mongolia. And then I really feel in my heart that the Lord's going to give me opportunity to do gospel uh, campaign in Pakistan. So if you could keep me in prayer with that. Because uh, I don't take that lightly, but it's something that's been in my heart. It's been like a promise permeating in my heart for, for years now. Keep that in prayer. But that's just uh, what I'm involved with, what my heart's geared towards, what I'm aimed upon. And so, <clears throat> with, with you, before we shift into the message tonight, I, there's three ways to really get involved with my work. Because I, I really, we really are looking for partners in this venture. Uh, and more than just uh, one-time gifts, we want partners and, and one time gifts we, we we're raising this uh campaign in January twenty twenty, uh which is a couple months away. Uh we're raising a quarter of a million dollars to do it. And so my team uh is only only has to raise ten grand, which is not not, not anything for our campaign. So if you have in your heart to sow into that, please do. But what, we, what my family really needs is partnership. Three ways you could do that is you could join our prayer force and, and you would directly get intel from me where, where we need your prayers. Every time I go on a trip, it just seems like 
the enemy tries to pick on my family. Even when I came out here, uh, our our car started acting funky. The first the first night, the first day, I was about to get prophetic ministry. I got a phone call from my wife saying, "I can't even take the car out. It's, it's acting funky. It's a missionary's life." But the enemy is just constantly trying to pick on us and whatnot. We really, really need prayer. We really need prayer covering. We're going into these dark places. We need the church to pray with us. And when they say they'll pray for us, that you really do pray. Right? We need intercessors. Uh, Number two, you could go. I don't know if you've noticed being around me, but I'm constantly uh, inviting people to come along with me. (laughs) Because I want people activated. I want them to see what's out there. That this is not just, uh, this is not my anointed ministry. This is our anointed ministry. Come on, this is our, our family, what we're carrying together, right? Because I, I couldn't go without, without you guys, truly. It's a partnership, right? So if you ever get that tug in your heart saying, man, I really want to go to that January uh, 2020 event or uh, the uh, November 2020 event because the January is already packed out, then come on, buckle your seatbelt, let's go. And number three... We really need uh, people to sow. And again, we, we want partnerships, intimate partnerships, where uh, our hearts are connected to your hearts. I, I like to stay involved with my partner's life where we, I want to know what you're praying for, what I can contend for. I, I want to be your, your, your personal servant in that area where me and my wife will take a list of our partners and what they, they've asked for prayer for, and we'll pray over it. Uh, like we'll, we'll just labor for what, what, what is in their lives because we want to be involved. We, wanna, we want to be involved with the breakthrough of people's lives and people's families. And, and you, you guys have real lives that, that need real breakthrough. We're not, yeah. And so, and then, and then just staying connected where we'll, 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 give you updates about what the Lord is doing in, in, in Myanmar and what you could be praying for. Ideas, prophetic words, partnership. And so I have these donation forms outside. And if, if I want you to prayerfully consider, I, I, if you make any commitment tonight, I want you to prayerfully consider, am I to get on the boat uh, with the Almecs and and really join up with them in partnership and just get on the adventure or, or it might not be your assignment. Either way, God will provide for us, right? But if, if you feel that tug in your heart, we have this donation form. Uh, you could either fill it out with a check or with a, a, a credit card or a debit card. And also, I have a link online that uh, you can set up a residual uh, uh, payment online and I can give you that link. And it's all tax deductible through YWAM. Yeah. But I I just want you to to pray. In fact, let's just pray right now. So Lord, we 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 just say, this was your idea. The Great Commission was your idea, Father. We just... I just cover every, right now, I just cover every wound that the church has caused when, when people ask for money. And I, I, I just wipe away all that. And we, we just look at what's before us and what you've commanded us to do. That the worker is worthy of his wage, Father, and those who are willing to go, God, we're willing to sow. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to hearts in this room, God, if, if there are, are partners, divine partners, that you have called to, to partner up with us. I pray you join us at the heart, God, and that we would run together. But Lord, I, I just pray that you just make it clear, God, no conviction, no pressure in Jesus' name. And I pray, I pray most of all that this, this room, every believer in this room would be activated in the gospel. God, in a local level, God, that the field that's in their hand right now in Vermont, in New England, they would plow the ground that's before them. But they wouldn't be afraid to pick up the shovel and plow the ground in, in, in the world mission realm as well.
I thank you that Lonnie and Kathy are, are pioneers in this, God. They've gone before them, God. And I thank you for spiritual children that will, that will carry on the work both here in Vermont and there in the nations, God. And I thank you for the legacy to be handed off, God, in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, for what they've sowed into me because it's attributed to a lot of grace and a lot of salvations. I'm so grateful, Lord. You're such a good builder. <laughs> you have such a good plan. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys for letting me share that. Thank you. Yeah. I feel that. I really do. It's like coming back to a family reunion. I really felt in my heart, especially with the community center being put in your laps, essentially, that the Lord really wanted you to see yourselves as laborers here. And it's so easy, you know, like we're such a a consumer society, and I'm not afraid to say that, uh, that we rely on the man and woman of God and say, well, they'll take care of it, or or, uh, Sean, or the people that have the shovel in their hands and stuff like that. And we all have our works. We all have our sphere of influence. But we're never to have a basket over our head. Hello? So Jesus said to, his, uh, to the crowd, he said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. That's identity. That's something you are. It's not, not you, you become the light of the world. You try really hard and be light. It's, he says you are the light of the world. Now, how we came to the conclusion saying we have to get all the darkness off of us I have no idea. So I don't know about you guys, but I've tried really hard to get the darkness off me, and I, the only thing that's worked is the blood. Can I preach at you a little bit? No formula has ever cured that. No, no, I, I have a very strong will. You just ask my wife. And my will was so weak when it came to my addiction to pornography. I was six years addicted to pornography. Addicted like a drug addict. In ministry, addicted. Is it okay to go there? (laughs) It is because I'm free. And I remember that, that journey. That journey of shame and guilt. Feeling like I was nothing. And that's the very strategy of the enemy. It's not the sin itself. He wants to gray you out so you believe that you are dirt so that you would act like dirt because you are what you think, right? So He wants you to feel like the scum. When all Jesus said, like I remember I was in this worship service one one day and I, I had messed up. I'm on my knees. And I'm like, God, I feel so like can't believe I did it again. Can't believe I, I told you I wouldn't. I can't believe I did it again. And the Lord spoke to my heart so clearly, and He said, "Well, what qual?" I had this radical encounter right out of high school. I had this radical baptism of the Holy Spirit. It changed my life forever. I never looked back from that time to this. That's why I am the way I am. But uh, the Lord spoke to that event. He said. What qualified you for that? And I said, absolutely nothing. He said, so what's qualifying you now? Like, meaning, what have you brought to the table, Seth? What if I just wanted you? And you just believe that I just wanted you? Because when you accept that unconditional love, and you accept that love from the Father, and you actually become a son, and you realize that, he loves you because you're worth His love. That God doesn't just love worms. He loves sons. So I must be a son. Why would God love a worm? I'm not a worm. 
Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And what had happened was, I would quote the truth, but I didn't believe the truth. But the moment I stepped into that, that belief, sin could not have my dinner any longer. I stand before you ten years clean from pornography. And it's not from my own works and my own good deeds and my own strong will. It's not because I'm anointed. It's because He's a good Father. He knows how to love a son. Come on. Come on. So He says, you are the light of the world. Say, I am. I say, say, I am. I don't hear you in the back. Say, I am. The light of the world. So he establishes identity, and he says, when identity is established, then I want you to bear fruit. Because a good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. And most of the time we're looking at our bad fruit, and we call ourselves the bad tree. But what if we established ourselves as the good tree, because it wasn't me that turned myself into a good tree. Behold, any, if any man be in Christ, Come on, man. Ah! If any man be in Christ, the old things have passed away and the new has come. The brand new man. He doesn't make bad, bad men better. He makes bad men die and be raised back to life in Christ and brand new life. Come on now. Ooh, man, you show me the nations. I'm going to preach good. Holy Spirit. What if we established our identity, our identity as a good tree? What if you started your day out like, I'm not just a filthy sinner saved by grace and I'm, I'm, I'm just struggling to get through the day. I hope I don't swear today. I hope I don't mess up to get today. And your, your whole focus of your whole life is saying, Lord, I want to be better. Or, Lord, I want to be better. And you fall on your face and you fall on your face and you fall on your face. What if you established your morning like, Lord, I thank you I'm your son. I thank you, Father, that you live inside of me to bear good fruit. And that I'm awake this morning to bear good fruit that the world may know that you live inside of me. God, and, and, and even if I mess up, I'm still your son. And I'm walking in the straight path of sonship. And I receive your love today, and I give it away. And I receive your love today, and I give it away. And the devil doesn't have any hold of me, because I believe your truth in me. Brothers and sisters, that, that is power. That's the power of the gospel. So he says, you are the light of the world, so let your light so shine before men. Right? The shining is the fruit of light. Are you with me? The shine, the rays of the sun is the fruit of the sun. Oh, that's good. So let your light so shine before men that they see your good deeds and call you anointed? No, no, no. They see your good deeds and call you righteous? Who cares? They see your good deeds and they say, there's a living God. There's a living God. And Jesus said this, if you believe in me, truly, truly, I say to you, if you believe in me, you will do the very works that I do. Right? It starts with belief in your heart. Who do you think you are? And it's time that we deal with those strongholds. And can I, can I tip over another sacred cow? You don't need 20 inner healing sessions to get there. You're 40 years old and older. It's time to pull up your big point pants and actually believe the gospel. Because it's faith in the gospel that changes things. It's faith in the gospel that changes things. It's not our counseling sessions that have power. It's this book. It's this book. And we, when we believe it, things shake and move and mountains move. And not only did he say, you'll do the very works that I do, right? That would be good enough. I wish he'd just stopped there. Because then we would just live in like, okay, man, I, I, can, I can, but he says, and greater. <laughs> I kind of feel like the Lord put that in there 
so that we live in the tension of either we make peace with our barrenness and we'll just say, well, the Lord doesn't heal anymore. Or that's a special anointing. Jesus wasn't saying it was a special anointing. He's saying, if you believe in me, do you hear me? Wave your hand at me if you hear me. Oh, come on, we're getting activated tonight. He says, if you believe in me, you'll do the very works that I do and greater works. Meaning, there's something to press in for. There's something to press on for. That you already have the tools. They just need to be put to use. Can I show you something? I saw something in Scripture that just blew my mind. I love the way Jesus walked in the earth. It's Matthew uh, Chapter 4, verse 23. It says, And he went out throughout all uh, Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing, now say it with me, every disease, every disease. and every affliction, among the people. every affliction among the people. So was there any disease or affliction that survived Jesus' hands? No. It was every disease, every affliction. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around a healing anointing, a strong healing anointing. I, w- I was able to travel with Todd White a bit. And there was cr- when, when, when people get word that there's a healing anointing around, there's crowds that come crowding around because they're like, I found my answer. I found my answer. That, like, just lay your hands on me. And I could just picture a Jesus' day, just picture in your, your mind's eye, the crowds finding out, there's this Jewish man. He's not like the other rabbis. When he prays over people, their disease literally disintegrate. Their, their issues of blood, they stop. This man is different. We have to find this man, right? So he lists off all the sickness. His fame, it's, it's biblical, his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases, pains, those who were oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them all. He healed them all. I love Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Sorry about the pulpit, Pastor. I'm getting excited. I'm getting too excited. This became the scene of one of the greatest sermons that the world's ever heard. It was those who were in need, those who were poor, those who were afflicted, those who were suffering. And they all gathered around him. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and sat down with his disciples. And he opened up his mouth and saying, Blessed are the poor for they will receive the kingdom of God. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. And could you imagine how that landed as these healed folks received the Sermon on the Mountain? This beautiful man. He said, the soil's ripe. I'm going to sow seed right here. (laughs) Flip over to uh, Matthew chapter 9. As I was reading through Matthew, I noticed that there was a repeat. And I felt like, hey, I just read that. And I, and I did just read that, but it was the same book of the Bible. And I was like, oh, he did it again. And I realized, I, 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 I stayed in tune to what God was doing because when there's a repeat in the Bible, you have to really zone in to what God's doing. There's a message there of what He wants to demonstrate. See, God, Jesus didn't proclaim, there was not a Gospel proclaimed that he didn't demonstrate. Whenever there was gospel proclamation, there was gospel demonstration. So let's read in verse 35. And Jesus went through all all the cities and villages, teaching them in their synagogues again, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom again, and healing, listen, every disease and every affliction. It happens again, right? And 
you can imagine, again, there's these crowds coming to Jesus and they're growing. The word, the fame is, shredding, uh, 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 is spreading like wildfire amongst those who are suffering. <clears throat> and he saw the crowds and he had compassion for them. He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he looked over to his disciples and he said, the harvest is plentiful. This is where we get that famous verse. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are, are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he send forth laborers. Meaning this, and I'm going to speed this up because I really want to activate the, uh, the room. <clears throat> he said, there's only one sun being manifested here. The world is groaning for the sons of God to be manifested. There's only one here. Hey, will you guys pray for more sons to be revealed? There's too many people. I'm only one man. But if I activate you guys, then we could take the whole crowd. Because my desire is the harvest. My desire is the harvest. My desire is the harvest. Is there only a couple sons in the house tonight? Or are there sons of God being waited to be revealed? Take off your basket. It doesn't belong on your head. Your work, your, 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 your co-workers deserve to see the light within you. You don't need a pulpit to display the kingdom of God. It's not primarily revealed here. It's revealed out there. At the gas stations, at the Kmarts, at the Walmarts. Where you literally walk as Jesus walked. What would Jesus look like at a gas station? So he not only mobilizes the, the prayer meeting, look what he does. Chapter 10. And he called them twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, listen to this, and to heal every disease and every aff uh, affliction. He tricked us. Come on. Say, I got the goods. I don't believe you. Say, I got the goods. Come on. He goes down further and he says, freely you receive and freely you give. So I'm, tell I'm, tell I'm talking to you tonight, church. What have you received from Jesus? Just take, close your eyes. And if you want to hop on the keyboard, let's just create an atmosphere of the Holy Spirit. I feel like the Lord's going to move tonight. <clears throat> Close your eyes. Let's, let's just think for a moment. Think about your testimony. Thinking about, think about the anointing that the Lord has given you. What has the Lord given you in your life? The mercy, the compassion, the grace. Jesus, you're beautiful. We didn't, we, didn't need, we didn't deserve your mercy. You don't treat us like our sins deserve. And Jesus says to you tonight, You've you freely received all that. Now I commission you to give it away. I commission you to give it away. It's not yours to keep. It will always remain with you. But I command you to give it away. Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If we could just all line up here in front. Most, or those who want an invitation. I don't want to force anybody. Those who desire more of Jesus, a, a fresh 
impartation of the Holy Spirit. I want you to get in line. And I just feel like the Lord's going to...